This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? I'm not a policeman, I'm a princess. You gotta see the baby. When are you gonna see the baby? Family matters. Do not adjust your dials. It's not a mistake. Family matters. We're here. I'm Beck. I'm here with Gina. Welcome, Gina. It's been a while, Beck. It has been a long while. I know. But we're back for some special guest appearances, aren't we? We are here to do a few special shows looking at rainbow families, but a bit more of a law and order kind of perspective. I know. Oh, that's not a very good impersonation. That's right. Well, as we know, when I'm not here, I'm working as a partner at Nichols Family Lawyers, working in family law, and I thought... What a great opportunity to combine my two great loves, Family Matters and Family Law, and do some podcasts. And Gina, you've been busy being a rainbow family. Well, that's the thing. I We started this show and I wasn't a parent. It no. was kind of, you know, and then I dropped that bombshell that I was having a baby. But yes, I've been ridiculously busy raising a gapey baby. A gapey baby? Sure, why not? Was it everything you dreamed of and more? It's nothing prepares you, Beck. You think you, you know what? I thought I was really prepared doing this show, and this show has taught me a lot. But then you have this thing, this little human who looks at you, and quite often teething, so they're usually looking at you crying. So yes. You're never prepared. Well, we'll keep learning. We'll, we'll keep, keep learning. learning from some of our guests. Our <laughs> first guest tonight is no stranger to joy, no sh- stranger to family matters. He is an advocate, a marriage celebrant, the director of the Equality Project, and a gay dad. His name is Jason Twaza McSheen. Welcome, Jason. Hi, lovelies. It's good to be here with you both. <laughs> we love having you come in. It's very nice. Uh, it's actually nice to have you in the studio because quite often because you are extraordinarily busy we usually get you on the phone yeah, so it I'm is glad actually, to be here. Thank yeah, you it's actually nice to have you in the studio now Jace, we're going to learn from you everything we need to know about gay dads about rainbow families about life so no pressure no pressure <laughs> now we did introduce you as a gay dad is being a gay dad different to being a non-gay dad uh, it's probably better oh tell um, me why because both of us um, share the housework and domestic duties and both of us share the parenting. No one has the burden of being the primary caregiver. We're both primary caregivers. So I think that's a superior outcome to start with because you can't – you have to go, okay, who likes the vacuuming? I don't, so I haven't vacuumed. Except the only time I vacuumed in the last 20 years, I banged the thing in my head and cut my nose open. <laughs> wow. uh, but Adrian hasn't done the laundry for 20 years. So it's oh, wow. we, we just decided what we didn't like. And then in regards to parenting, the, the first three months we were both off work to look after Ruben. And it was probably the best three months ever. So it was no burden. I mean, it was crazy. You have this little person, as yeah. you're talking about, that looks at you and screams and cries when it needs something and needs to be changed nappies and stuff. And you learn to change nappies really fast because who wants poo on their hands? No. And you, you really learn to really not quickly. get those jumpsuits with buttons. Yes. Because at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> buttons on a jumpsuit after oh, a we, messy nappy is a nightmare. I remember having, we would go to bed, Ruben would sleep at seven or something in that first few months and we're like... Just we'd turn everything off yeah. and go to sleep because we didn't know how long <laughs> we we're going to get. We left everything as it was, except they didn't leave the flame on. Went to sleep and wake up whenever he woke up. And then I remember at like three in the morning once, Adrian and I started talking about something important and it turned into a fight. <gasps> and we're like, 
we will never talk about anything between 11 a.m. and 7 a.m. <laughs> that is not to do with actually getting Ruben back to sleep. Wow. It was a really eye-opener because, you know, you're tired and everything becomes far worse at 3 yes. in the morning. Yes. Well, you've been a gay dad for 13 years now. So you're sort of the world's leading expert on the subject, I would say. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, parenting, I hope we haven't stuffed it up. You know, it's, it's a one-time <laughs> go at it. With us, anyway, we've only got one, and um, you just got to do your best and hope that you've done all right. When you were younger, like when you're a teenager or a young person yourself, did you think that being a parent was a legitimate option for you? No. And I was really sad about it because mm. I always wanted yeah. to be a parent. And in, in, so when I was my son's age, which is 1983, and Culture Club were my favorite <gasps> band. Yes. Um, the idea, and I was in the closet, and there was no positive representation of gay people anywhere, and HIV was sort of yes. on the verge, and so you had the bowling ads of the Grim Reaper, and I was involved in a church community, and there's obviously no positive representation of gay people there. I didn't know a gay person until I was 27, wow. personally, so um, no, didn't, like, and I thought, and I thought to myself, oh, I can't, I can't actually be with a woman, I can't marry a woman but maybe that'll change but it was just not an option did you feel the same Gina I I did and similar to you it was probably 84 or so I was finishing high school I'd known since I was like same since I was five yeah Yeah, like earliest memories Mm -hmm. were knowing that I was actually a lesbian but and I knew back then the world is very clear that you hide this and you don't share it um but there wasn't even anything on screen to code into queer. There wasn't really much at that stage. And if it was, it was um, <clears throat> very like, nearly. are you being served? Oh, yeah, yes. really I'm free. highly camp- yeah. like, was yeah. either, Or someone really psychologically damaged. Yeah. There was no rep- – was this really full It took on? me a long while to even find the language to actually even be able to own my identity. I didn't even know what to call I it. I got called I a poofta when I was yeah. in grade three. That's why yes. I know. Yes, I, I knew those words. Mm. And when my mum found out about me, I was 16, and the first word she asked me was, are you a poofta? So that was the language that we kind of used back then, really kind of – but I, again, like you, family just meant I have to be a great aunt – or, you know, cousins. It never meant me having a child. And you kind of learn to not dream something if you think it's just not going to happen. When do you think that changed, I guess, personally, but also in society, when do you think that idea changed? So I didn't come out till I was 28. So that was 1998, which is very late. And that sounds like I'm going to go out the gate. <laughs> it was a nice bit of poetry. It was fate. It was fate. Um wasn't until um, I met Adrian that it, changed for me and then everything just um it's been 21 years now everything just made sense then and there was no going back having said that it was i went to a at the arts center a surrogacy forum in 2000 that was freaked us out like wow can gay men have babies what's going on what does this mean and it was this room of maybe 20 or 30 people and anthony wood actually spoke and they were in the process of having um, their kids and then the light came on and then it was a sort of, and then Ruben, we went, we got legally married in 2004 in Canada. We were non-legally married in 2000 that year. And then on that trip, we went to Growing Generations in California, which is a surrogacy agency and had a, a three-hour consultation with them. And I remember we walked out of, in, out of that office into sunny Los Angeles and Adrian said to me, this is impossible because it's expensive yes. and prohibitive. And we didn't know anybody really who'd done it. 
And I said, no, no, it's not impossible. We can make this happen. And that was January 2004 and Ruben was born in February 2006. Oh, wow. wow. That's really quick. Now, can I just jump in and take us a little bit back? Yeah. You know, us gays, we don't just walk into forums. Um, we usually walk into clubs. There's not many. And thinking of the years that you're kind of talking of, there's – so what first made – when was that conversation? And, I'm, you know, yes, we want to hear the love story. But at what stage did you go, we're going to attend this forum? Who was the first to kind of say, I really want kids. Let's let's go and check this out. It was probably me. Available. But only because we had, you know, there's – it was not on the radar. Like I just, we weren't conditioned to have that as part of the equation unless we were to go into some sort of heterosexual arrangement. And uh, and the idea we want the idea of actually you know being parents on our own and not having a third person was really important. Um, I think it's you know hard enough to love and relate. Everyone has their own relationships and families own, and how they want yeah. to find them. But for us, the idea of having you know just two parents was exciting and ideal. And there was this pathway and we just explored it. But it was probably me first. Um, yeah, it was probably all the way through then it was probably me before Adrian and then he got dragged into things. And, <laughs> and now he, you know, and not that he was never into, into it. But we, I, I probably wanted to have a second. And Adrian really asked me, do you really think that we should go down that path again? And he's probably right. Because it's such a – you can't just get pregnant and have a baby. No. Well, I was going to say that because for heterosexual people, you know, like we spend our whole lives being scared of getting accidentally pregnant. You know, that's what the nuns told me at school, (laughs) that if I looked at a boy, I could get pregnant. But that's not an option or it's not even an option to go, oh, let's just do this. Like I feel like I always think for rainbow families, everything has to be so planned. Like there's no spur of the moment kind of stuff. No. But even as a lesbian, I mean, when we went to see a fertility doctor – there was the choice of two wombs. Like there was two, you know, little housing estates we could choose from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fertility plays its own journey. But it's so much harder for men. And trusting, you know, someone on the other side of the planet yeah. to carry your child is really full on. But you just got to go with it. Like you just, you know, our surrogate, um, amazing person. We still see her to this day. Um, she, you know, just, just was the right, it just worked. It's really strange. It felt like the universe was bringing it all together. And I guess the other thing too that, again, heterosexual people that don't have too many Volker cruises or whatever it is don't have to worry about legalities about their children. Yes. Like legally, how do they? How are they the parents of their child? How do they get a passport for their child? How do they get them back into the country? Well, two things. So first of all, the idea that having sex can make a baby freaks me out. <laughs> how you straight people have to deal with that all the time and getting accidentally, oh goodness me, getting accidentally pregnant, that is freaky really. I've got some books I can give you guys. <laughs> Secondly, yes, the legal stuff was really difficult. To this very day, Reuben technically is not our mm. child under Australian wow. law. So the surrogate and her deceased boyfriend of the time are technically with or without any biological connection because of the Family Law Act. Mm. Um, for all intent and purpose, it doesn't affect anything because we're both on the birth certificates with yep. his parents. It's is he not, an Australian citizen? Yes, because okay. we're because you're Australian by descent, descent. and we're ah, both yes. Australian, so yes. he was naturalised then. But when we first got his first Australian passport, so we brought him home on a tourist visa on an American passport. But when we landed, we told them that he's staying. And we had this lovely lady, and she said, "Welcome home." That must have oh. been a good journey, and we were really freaking out, actually, to be honest. But then when we tried to get his Australian passport, it took six months, and it went to Canberra, and they were being really bad. And so every time we've renewed his passport, there's been a little bit of anxiety. So, of course it would be. But his current one ends when he's 17 and a half. So it'll be his a, problem you know, after that. After that, yeah. it's, no, it's fine. So, but it, 
but that law needs to change, and nobody's trying to agitate that. And you know, and I love um, all the things that Rainbow Families do and all our advocacy, but there isn't really a strong push around gay dads. Is there a fear though that if someone like you've been through the court systems and you know through the marriage equality stuff and and your wedding in in Canada and back here and. Is it that people are afraid? Nobody wants to be that test case because mm. what if it goes bad? Like it's a bit, it's costly. The courts are frightening. Beck, this is your kind of, this is your second playground. For, for people, for non-law people coming in, it's a scary thing. You go to court when something is bad. Can I say for legal people it's scary, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, the laws around this stuff are really complex. They're not standard. They're, you know, there's a lot of challenges. And I think that's a really good point you make about no one wants to be the first one to do it. I mean, we look at, you know... Um, when you look at um, transgender kids yeah. and the medical treatment and that yeah. whole legal system's come a long way, but a lot of people had to go through some really difficult stuff yeah. to get there in the end and it has to take some people. And, and I think you're right, Jace. I think it seems to be the gay dad stuff that's a little bit quieter. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I don't know. You might there have an insight. There are lots of us. There are lots. There are lots of gay there dads. Are like, I saw no. your Father's Day picnic photo. That that's, so got big, that's got bigger and bigger. It's just There's so many and I um, – it's you know it's there's always but there's always been a bias against male parenting in Australian culture anyway. If you when we when Ruben was a baby, yeah. um, everything was Mother's Choice brand yeah, or this and pictures is. of mothers and stuff doing still feeding and groups. stuff and we were like, mm. oh, so we never bought Mother's Choice brand. We refused to. Um, no, I love mothers; they're fantastic. But they're re- with all due respect, parenting is a learned experience, and if you, whether you're male or female, you can be a wonderful primary caregiver. Because you learn on the job, you learn yes. to do nappies, you learn yes. to understand your child by having this relationship with them. You know, you just you learn, and and I and and I think men have been denied the chance to be primary caregivers because of the way the culture is set up as well. I don't want to you know say it's all on yeah. one side, but I just you know I, there's a bias against it, and yet there's nothing you know wrong. Well, it might have been harder if Ruben had been a girl, because we would have bathrooms and stuff when he mm. was a baby. Mm. Um, that makes it a bit more difficult. But Lisa's, there are usually family rooms now and stuff. But back in your day, there were no, even now, there are no change tables in men's bathrooms. And this is a conversation that a few, a few work guys have been kind of saying, hey, we need to change this. And that's a fair call because that makes an assumption that it's only the mother or a female who is changing a nappy. And what does that say? What does that actually say mm. to the general population that men are not worthy of doing this task? Adrian would be at the supermarket checkout with a Ruben on his own and they'd say, oh, you're babysitting today. Where's mum? And Ruben and Adrian would say, I don't babysit my own child. It's really weird, really. Yeah. And what message, I think, does that send to young gay guys who want to be parents too? Yeah. You know, that maybe we've got over some of the initial hurdles that you talked about when you were younger – but I think there's still some messaging that's not great towards men generally. Yeah, and, and look, how you construct your family is wonderful. So whether you want to have just two people or three people mm. or four parents or, you know, there's lots of combinations and ways to have families nowadays. So surrogacy is just one of those, though it's illegal mm. technically in some states. Fa- parenting is a, a human experience and a normal experience that the majority, at least 50% of people tend to undertake by accident. <laughs> <laughs> or through, as if you're a queer parent, then through lots of planning and work. Yes. And I think that the wonderful thing about that, I think not that we're the best parents ever. This is where the narrative needs to really flip. Is that, um, but 
because there's so much preparation and investment in it, you, there's no accidental children, so you're mm. actually doing a – probably it's a protective factor, isn't it? It makes us a better parent mm. to start with at the starting line. Um, and I, I know many, many queer parents, both female and male-parented and combo-parented families, and those kids, all of them, have decent lives. Mm. And they have at least two parents who love them to death. And you know, if you have the research was clear, if you have one decent parent, you're okay. If you have two, it's a bonus. And I think people kind of take for granted how much, how many conversations we actually have to have before it even starts, because the process isn't isn't quick. Um, and you're kind of forced with your partner and with your families as well to have conversations that most people don't want to have. Talks about wills and estates mm-hmm. and planning and schooling and but just even just what it looks like when you brought when you brought him home how did the family react or how did they even react to the news that you were going to go down this path because again remembering 13 years ago there wasn't this no ribbons of five fifth or sixth kid in the country born through gay dads yeah so um people were interested so our mums were fantastic my grandmother my deceased grandmother on my father's side was like that's disgusting two men having a baby but she loved me she was kind of weird in that way my grandmother on my mum's side, who was a Salvation Army member, couldn't have been more excited and saw Ruben until he was two. Um, but we were at a friend's place one evening and we had this gathering every three months and we caught up this four of them. And we said, oh, we're going to have a baby. And they didn't speak for the next hour about like it. Was just, <laughs> and it came up after dinner and later on. They had to process it. Okay. Yeah, wow. It was really weird, you know. It was sort of, um, and it's kind of shit. I mean, yeah, it was shit because supposed to be like never... so, supposed to say this is fantastic, right? Exactly. But, and then I have one dear friend who's not a friend anymore. She said to us, "Well, you know, your son's going to get bullied, and why would you bring him into the world?" And then my uncle, I'm like, "You shouldn't be bringing more children into the world. There's too many kids." We tried to adopt. It was not an option. They rang us up yeah. and said, "Don't bother coming to the information evening because you cannot adopt." So. Um, and then I remember, so Ruben would have been one or two, and I did some research, and there's a paper, The Politicization of Gay Dads, that you can download off the internet, that I that it was published. Um, we met 12 or 10, 10 or 12 gay dad parents, in either with kids or in the process. And so back in 2005 or six, most gay parents were not out. So I don't know if you remember back, it wasn't that long ago, no. that queer people were out in their personal lives but weren't out in their workplace. Yeah. And so it's been less than 15 years that mm. that, that change has happened. And having kids, as you know, oh Gina, my God, it you have to be you. out. You have to be out. And we would stand there and we'd meet someone new and just our protective factor was um, we'd say, hi, I'm Jason. This is my husband, Adrian. This is our son, Ruben. Just to shut anyone down. Just do the maths for yep, them. Yep. Yeah. So there's no issues. But then we had times where, you know, at immigration we were separated I remember some friends of ours were traveling with us to America. We had landed, gone through customs, and or going through customs, and we were in front of them, and they took our things and whatever, and they mocked us after we'd gone, and our friends watched that happen. So there were just things like that that, you know, um, I don't know. It w- wasn't easy. They are the thing. And do you think, because my partner and I have not gotten married. My partner and I have got separate surnames. They're very Greek, so we're not going to join them. Because that would just be... <laughs> can't be any worse than mine. 
Twice on machines pretty bad. It fills I'm, up I'm every a, letter of every box. I can beat you. I think I Gina would be you with yeah. both of those surnames. So when, we're never going to combine them because doing that to a child is just cruel. Um, with ours, I'll tell you off air, our surnames. But do you think that's made it easier for those instances where you do get separated as parents where one – because my child doesn't have my surname and I do refer to my partner as my partner – and it does that kind of – you can see it, those wheels turning in people's heads. When Ruben was one, we both changed our names by deed poll. Yeah. To, because he was born with Twazon McSheen and we did that because I didn't want anyone saying, who are you? Yeah. Mm. I get that. that was Unfortunately, I get that. I get that. Oh, I had a terrible incident at Centrelink being told I'm not the child's parent. Even though I've got the birth certificate there going, I, can you please? Can you – like – That's yes. now. Well, let me yeah, tell you, back in 2004 now. when he was born – um, we didn't exist in the paperwork. So they yeah. were like, I'd say, they said to me, so any women living with you? No. <laughs> Not that we know of. Do you have a girlfriend? No. I said, this is my husband, non-legally husband, and this is our son. Didn't She wouldn't respond. So any women, she kept asking, and, and so they gave us um, more money for the first three years until 2007. <laughs> oh, well. Because um, on the paperwork, we did not yeah. exist. There was no category for yeah. any of that. And it wasn't until 2007 when um, um, Rudd changed most of those laws and they that we got less money yeah yeah wow it's very strange yeah the computer says no you don't exist well that's the thing i didn't want to actually you having this person do that that is terrible well because i had to get her a number for childcare purposes i didn't want to go through any of that stuff um and then having to be forced to go and create a number and and having that dealt with at centrelink and having to have my partner come in and you know yes i created a bit of a scene um so you should yeah so i should but i shouldn't have to no um i thought, it, I an, thought that had changed well, mm, well i think it was just a bit of a shit of a person behind that's the, the thing right you get that's why when we landed in australia we're like let's find a woman because yeah. before the e-gates yeah yeah it's all manually and we're like okay let's we found deliberately went to a woman aisle not a man aisle because yeah. we just couldn't stomach the idea that somehow we're going to go through we just gone off a, a 15-hour flight with our baby. He's 10 days old. We just couldn't stomach it. And we're just I'm so glad I had that. I don't know who that lady was, but bless that person. If she's listening, well done. <laughs> um, do either of you still have experiences now? I mean, I like to think a lot of things have changed, but experiences where you feel people are judging or questioning your choice or your lifestyle as parents? Only because I go outside of the bubble. So I engage people who are not in the bubble, and so that may happen, but they don't say that to my face. Mm. And you know, we, that protective thing around setting the scene first has been really has really worked. And we, so we were in Dubai on our way to Europe one time because we wanted to go to the water park. Ruben loves water parks. We, had, <laughs> we just spent two days at the water park. It was fantastic. The at the hotel. Do you want another room? No. Are you sure you don't want an extra room? No. We're fine. The three of us will be fine. Just didn't you know? And we, we when we're leaving. The guy in, in his um, Arabian attire sitting there, we're leaving. And he said, looks at me, he looks at Adrian, he looks at Ruben, because they've all got the same name. And then the, the bastard says, grandfather, father, <gasps> grandson. Wow. <laughs> Who's your daddy was the kind of Adrian for the rest wow. of the next, <laughs> next two months. But I was like, no. I thought Because Ruben's watching, right? He's six or seven. Yeah. I'm still like, no. And we could have said nothing, but no. This is my husband and our son. And the guy just looked at us weirdly and stamped our things and let us go. If we had been entering Dubai, I'm not sure what I would have said. Mm. Wow. Because it's illegal. Like, yeah. You know, but but we, can't, we could never, to this day, touch wood, have never showed any sense of shame in front of Ruben around our family construction. 
And that's been a work in itself. Yes. But I'm really glad that we've done that. And that bravery, it's not so difficult now. But, you know, even in the start with childcare centres, we wanted to go one day a week when he was two. We'd ask questions. Do you have any other, you know, gay, lesbian parents? And the answers to that question were very insightful. And you just knew, nah, not sending him there. Or, yeah. yes, this is the right place. Yeah. But we enrolled him in Essendon Primary School. And that's nearest to our house. But then I bumped into um, a gay lady I know who I'd known for a while, the supermarket. And we'd already enrolled him. And she says to me, oh, we're sending Reuben because we're sending our son to Brunswick East Primary. And I said, I've never heard of Brunswick East. Oh, you should go there. It's lots of queer parents and families and it's great. And so we went and visited the school. He's already enrolled at the other school. And I, the Italian lady or at the desk, I said to them, do you have any other gay parents and stuff there? Just ask because I don't care mm. now. She said, we've got men, we've got women, we love everyone, come here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we unenrolled him from yeah. Essendon and he went to Brunswick East. And it was a wonderful seven years. Not necessarily the most academically strong grade five or six, but um, a one, there were kids who came out in primary school. There were yeah. trans kids in that community. One of the parents of one of Ruben's friends heard another parent use the word gay in a derogatory way and actually confronted her about it. Wow. Like I just... And, it was just a really safe place. We never had, not once did we have to think about anything. Did you, um, did the council also with you go through, and this is the name of the maternal health nurses. Yes. Did they, so did they start coming along with, was that experience? We went to them every three months or whatever yeah. it was. And they I've kept changing the person. One. They kept yeah. changing the person. It wasn't very helpful. No. Gina, obviously your child's a lot younger yeah. than Jason's, but do you feel that same Maybe pressure is not the right word, but to be put them in an, in a really safe environment and make a choice that probably heterosexual parents don't have to make as much for their kids. It's still happening, and we like we before we started our family, we deliberately went looking for a home, you know, a family home because we lived in a small unit beforehand. And those who knew us kind of said, "Why are you moving to such a?" Let's call it a waspy conservative suburb. It really, you know. I'm you do live in a tree-lined street, Jenna. I've been there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, it, was, it kind of played in the back of my mind. And I kept saying to my partner, by the time we have a child, by the time these conversations happen in the playground, they'll be, you know, that's 10, 15 years from now, forgetting that we're still now getting out at left, right and centre in this very conservative suburb. So I have been... We've chosen schools and we've cho- chosen childcare centres deliberately because we know rainbow families are there because we know other parents have gone through those schools and have had a positive experience. So there's not many of us in the schools. They don't have safe schools there. But to be honest, none of that school environment or so far for us childcare environment has been... I've got an old gay neighbour next to me and I've got a young gay person on the right. Like, I don't know if nobody else knows, but there's lots of queers. Half my street are gay, know, lesbian same. families. Like literally every second house. Yeah. The stereotype is that we don't exist. We are we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Spoiler alert. But, absolutely. But it is does play in the back of my mind. And I was saying off air to you guys, I we just had a family holiday in North Queensland. And I was, after the election, I was actually tempted to cancel that holiday. I was actually really scared of going to a place that I felt won't like what? Queers won't like ethnic people because we're ethnic as well. And I was tempted to cancel it. And there I did experience a little bit of, oh, that 
behaviour is a bit shit. I've not experienced that back home. You know, we're at the pool and the kids are playing and to have a mother pack up her things once she clocks that there's a rainbow family sitting next to her and move to the other side of the pool and not let my child play with her son's toys. Like that was awful. Like that was – but what are you doing that moment? Do you confront it? I don't want to have those conversations with Harper there, my – Prime. No, and if Harper's not aware, no. then you don't make yeah. Harper aware because it's, yeah. it's, it's their problem, not yours. Yeah, it says a lot about them, but at the same time, it's not awful. It's once awful. she starts getting that little bit older, this was the stuff I didn't think I'd have to think about. But thankfully so far in our school environment, GPs have been difficult as well. I've had to and, – and this is this day and age because I don't share the surname. I've been asked, why are you – why do you need a certificate, a carer's leave certificate for work? I'm like, um, do you want to look at your file a little carefully? Like you don't want to have to do that stuff, but you do. And I don't – I don't know if it's any different for gay dads and lesbian mums or co-parents or whoever the parent is. But, yeah, it's, I, and I wonder if it's the surname thing, if I just did that, would that make it easier? Whether you're straight or yeah. queer parent, having a different surname can be problematic. It can like be. I just, not that you should take the man's surname, like that's if you're a straight person. Take like the sexier looking yeah, one. Or change it. sounds better. Make one up. Yeah. Um, yeah, ours is, I mean, no one can spell our name. It's just ridiculous, really, and Ruben can spell it, I guess. It, look, it, there's just an extra thing we have to do all the time. Like, mm. even Ruben's high school, um, Strathmore Secondary is a great school. They have LGBTI standout groups, posters all over the school when we went there. Now, he's straight, sadly. We failed as parents. Oh. Um, th- so you don't make no. your kids gay. No. I heard case, that somewhere. We tried really hard. Yeah. I've tried to get mine to play with trucks and be into blue and denim, but it's not even... That's yeah, we had Ruben had a kitchen and stuff until he was maybe five or six. And I remember there were the those those wristband things that you could make that were multicolored. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And at school he was making them. So excited we went to Spotlight to get them so he could make some at home. And suddenly we realised there was this whole girls section. Literally said girls section, and that's where it was. And Ruben stopped, and he was like five or six. Like, no, I don't want. You know, I, I thought this was something that wasn't gendered. Wow. Like it was really interesting, yes. this whole psychology psychology around boy and girl things. And we tried. I mean, but having said that, Ruben, we're at a, um, he's beautiful. We were at a cafe the other week or whenever, and he says to me, that person has assumed that person's gender identity. So, he, you know, he's very clued in. and He's pretty woke. Yeah, he's woke. He's, he's, he's good he, woke, though. There's good and bad. Yeah, he's, he's he, he, just, he gets the LGBTIQ yeah. space, like he, even though it's not him. Which is, I guess... Um, such a wonderful thing for him that he may not have experienced if he'd had heterosexual yeah. parents. He wouldn't have had that openness and that understanding and that appreciation for other people's lives and, you know, how they live. Yeah. Do you – now because, I mean, 13 years, a lot has changed. A lot has kind of changed in this space. As I said, we were looking at that photo from the recent Father's Day picnic so many gay dads, so many young gay dads, new families kind of starting. Do people still kind of contact you and ask for advice? Yeah, all the time. We yeah. all, always have helped each other. So some people helped us and we've helped others. Like, it's really lovely. You just do it. You but just what's got... the most common question a gay dad would come and ask you? Just um, the, the question a long time ago was, can a child not have a mother? Mm. Wow. Big question to really? ask. Yeah. And this was other gay dads Yeah, this is and this, this is when Ruben was young and before wow. Ruben was born. That was a question we asked. Can yeah. we can we we asked the psychologist, can our son not have a mother? Wow. Because we'd never seen a child without a mother my mother. Um but then questions around really around process. Yeah. 
Logistics. Yeah, logistics. Because it is, and there's different countries and it's changed even a lot since yes. we were, when we did it. So, you know, there's been um, Asian countries, North American countries. Um, well, it's constantly changing too, you know. You know, and, and there's this bad uh, rap around commercial surrogacy that should not be there. Yeah. Look, there's exploitation of people happening in all sorts of factors of life. Don't get me wrong. We, I know in our um, journey there was no exploitation. It was a, a really ethically well done decision. Up front, everything was a beyond approach um, and nothing was, you know, never at, any cent, never at any point did we feel like we did something wrong. And I think too there's some challenges around the way even, um, you know, surrogacy works here and altruistic surrogacy and, and you know, whether if those laws changed – domestically there'd be more opportunity for people to get surrogates in Australia. They wouldn't have to go overseas. We wouldn't have to, you know, have and some it, it of these in our system which has got ethical and legal support. Yeah. And, you know, it's we have – I'm glad there are women who are really happy to be generous and share their womb it's so that huge. someone can have yeah. a baby. Mm. It's, a, it's a lot more difficult process than donating sperm. Yes. Yeah. But it's – I'll never forget this is a funny story. Is Ruben going to hear this? I don't know if he's going to hear this. <laughs> His five or six were watching a documentary and suddenly there was a birth, a full birth, like you saw everything. Some you know, African lady or something gave birth. And then the, and then the, the baby came out and his name was Reuben. <laughs> and Reuben looked at me with the most horrified look I've ever seen him look. And he said to me, does the sperm hurt like that when it comes out? Because <laughs> he knew sperm and egg. Yeah. All he knew, right? And I said, oh, you don't need to worry. It'll be fine. Yeah. That's all I said. That's a, but he's had the most horrified look. Like the the woman it. goes through that. What's the man going to go through? I'm sure he's realised there's good news to that. I was going to say, it's a good news piece mm. for him, I think. <laughs> Tell me, Jason, what is the number one best thing about being a gay dad? Well, um, it's about being a dad, so we don't, we don't think of it that way. Is um, We both get to go on this journey. It's a, We now have three people, family. It, we really are three sort of parts to one unit and it works really well um the best thing is um your son just you know telling you he loves you mm. yeah nothing yeah you don't prepared for she hasn't said the word love yet but you get these cuddles you just get this hug that they cling mm-hmm. and you know it might be a day after childcare, and they've missed you and you've missed them mm-hmm. and it's just this just and they never love us as much as we love oh, them back. But God, yeah. that's what our parents did too, right? Yeah. So it's just the way it is. Um, yeah. But it is a good thing. And, and he's really, you know, he's, he likes his life. And um, yeah, it's been, been re- the best thing is you're watching someone grow up and you remember, I remember when I used to, when I learned to tie my shoelace, but I didn't know how old I was. I remember when this, like I know when I was 13. So when he, the age he is now, I was in year um, Eight, and I think I went to the Culture Club concert, and <laughs> like I just remember, I remember very vividly, and it's just like, okay, now I can watch someone go through that experience. Do you think he fully understands yet what you and Adrian have gone through to have him? Um, cognitively, I think he does. I think when he's a parent one day, he'll yeah. understand what what mm. we did. But he, but he certainly watched us do all this advocacy all of his life. That's part of his thing. And he said to me, I want to be a politician one day. Well, wow. he says you can change things because you have. Yeah. And like that's, that's a awesome. Talk about modelling behaviour for children. Hope so. You know, you know, I mean, but, you know, no, one, no one's – we don't think we've done anything overly special, but we just have worked hard and we'll continue to do so, and it's important. And, I, and it's what motivates both of us as people. And I, if he has a social justice – component to him which he will and he does 
um, that's a bonus. Because you know, he reads The Guardian, have a weekly magazine, and he reads that cover to cover every week. Oh my God. Wow. I wish I had time to he's, read. Yeah, I don't know. I, he's, <laughs> he's a really fast reader. Like he re- he'd read a book in half an hour, like 45 minutes. Amazing. And it's just... And he started with a weekly magazine from London that was for kids about the world and what's going on. And now he devours The Guardian, which is – it's not light reading. No, I was no, going to say that. a 13-year-old. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of confident that that means he's going to be a, a well-informed person. But, yeah, who knows? We've only done this once, so we'll see how we go. Well, you know? that's the thing. You can't – you don't get a redo. <laughs> Beck, is there any different adv- legal advice you would give to a gay couple – coming in compared to a lesbian i mean yes the surrogacy stuff is there but is there any other kind of advice is there anything different a gay dad needs to think about compared to other than the the creation that actual sperm and egg stuff well i think that's the reality is that creation's where most of the the challenges come for gay dads and you know i think not that things are easier for lesbian parents by any account but i think when you've got a womb to start yeah. with you you got some of the hurdles out the way and i think the law um, for lesbians in terms of parentage is a lot simpler because the law says if a woman has a baby and she has a de facto partner and they consent to that procedure, then that other woman is the legal parent like you are, absolutely. Yeah. But for gay dads, because the logistics are different, the legalities are different too. It's not as straightforward, I think, in a lot of ways. And and I think you're right, Jason. I think there's a lot of work to be done in that area. I think, you know, in you know, probably around ten years ago, a bit longer now, there was a lot of push from lesbian parents and there was a lot of changes that happened then and that's when you know two two mums could be on the birth certificate finally so I think maybe that next frontier is for gay dads to deal with cleaning up some of the laws around that and I think cleaning up some of the laws around surrogacy full stop whether you are you know gay straight otherwise there's some real challenges there it's actually correct it's it's you know, for except anyone, if, except if you're a woman and you're pregnant, you can you don't have to say where that came from. Correct. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think that's an advan- and I know straight mm. families have not always told the truth around yes. you know and and I, I love just it's a slight deviation, but I love the fact that our families we we tell the truth to our children. We don't. There's no nothing hidden. Ruben's story is a wonderful story. We've told him from the start, sperm and egg, where it all came from. He's known that. Um, so while he has a biological mother, she's not his parent. Mm-hmm. And if Ruben was, if you were to say to him, who's your parents, he's not going to say our surrogate, even though I'm happy he knows her. Yeah. Because where are his parents? Mm. Was that important to you that he knew her? No, just, well, only yes, in the sense that we always said, can you please make sure we stay in touch at the very least? Because everyone has the right to know their genetic history and yeah. where they come from and the part of their story. And he's seen her maybe three or four times in his life. Post birth, um, we hang out for a day together, and it's all really lovely. And you know, um, they they're kind of curious with each other. But it's you know, and if he wants to have a relationship with her, absolutely, that's fine. But but she'll never be his parent, mm. and, and she doesn't want to be his parent. She never that was never the equation. She would have more children s- of her own. She had two kids already. Oh, two kids already. Was she a surrogate for anyone else? No, just us. Just you guys. But you have to have had kids already to yeah. be yes. a surrogate. Yeah. Um, and she just wanted to help. You know, it was really. You know, there was a, a financial transaction that was um, appropriate for all the work that she did. Um, but there was no sense that, you know, it wasn't buying a baby. So the no. whole commercial surrogacy thing yeah. arguments, is, is there something wrong about the way that's all framed? And the first family to do the legal aspect, I know the gay, lots of gay dads have done lots of advocacy. 
but to actually put yourself front and center in an environment where the religious freedom mm. bullshit's happening and whatever, it's that's precarious. Well, I think mm. I mean that it's naive to think that marriage equality fixed anything because I think what that actually that whole debate did was open up a whole lot more vulnerability because everyone was looking at families like your two saying Mm -hmm. there's a problem with that Mm -hmm. you know we need to look at this is it okay afraid of we were the reason the campaign you know the campaign was saying we're gonna happen (laughs) yeah if you say we're happening already already (laughs) for a long time (laughs) now you're right it's and yet, it's it's going to flip one day. Um, first of all, our communities will understand how fantastic we are, and that we actually do it all right. We, we're not. We may be marginalised and screwed over, but actually, we're strong, resilient mm. people who are okay mm. and come from a position of actually we're okay, and we've got something to offer both in regards to relationships and in regards to parenting. Mm. And so, the books that we write about parenting and relationships are the ones that straight people can learn from, mm. because we do some things really well because we just have to. Not that we're better. But we, it's flipping. Instead of saying something, something wrong with us and society's going to fall down the pit if we all, if you, know, you marry a dog or you, your kids are going to, I don't know, what, I don't know what the, the danger is to the children. No, I'm not quite sure. To be sure. honest, I'm not quite sure what that is. <laughs> but there is one. I've heard a but, lot yeah, about but it. But it's the reverse, actually. Yeah. We've got something to really offer. I, I would dare say that the way you all function is healthy yes. and is something to offer people who want to, to have some advice on parenting. I do feel... I do feel guilty when some of my straight friend mums come over. But at first they made this assumption and I found that assumption a bit insulting. They would say to my partner, because I stayed home, even though I wasn't the birth mother, I, I had the blessing of staying home to be primary carer. And w- that was a logical decision. It was a financial decision. Absolutely. That's how our families you know, do it. Yeah, it's not like about gender. Yeah, it had nothing to do with gender. And I was fortunate my workplace was evolving that mm. I was able to be recognised as that. But I hated the assumption that people would say to my partner, you're so lucky because there's another mum at home. And what's that say? What does that say? Mm. It says that apparently I have this inherent kind of inbuilt kind of motherhood gene that just kicks in and knows what to do. That is bullshit. I'm going to call it bullshit. Yeah, it is bullshit. None of us know what we're doing. And to make that assumption is insulting to to dads, especially. Mm. It's insulting. I, I just found it really awful. But I don't think they. When they were looking at us, what they were seeing is there is no gender roles. I do the stuff that I'm better at. Yep, Unfortunately, I have to do more of the cooking, which I'm shit at. <laughs> and I'm putting that right out there. Like, Junior can eat well because it's, like, pretty plain, but I'm sh- I have to do more of the cooking and it's just not good. Wait till Harper says when they're older, um, oh. oh, I don't like that dish. Oh, I, I prefer the other parents. I, I prefer the oh, other parents look, cooking. Yeah, you know. when it when it comes to cooking, she, yeah, go for it. Ruben knows which dishes that so. Adrian makes he likes and which dishes <laughs> that I make that he likes, and he's quite clear about it. He'll eat. He, he knows he has to eat whatever he's given, but he has preferences big time. It's quite funny. <laughs> but that is, I found again that assumption that a woman, that a mother, is just inherent in knowing how to raise a child. I found that really. Do you think gay dads? I mean, you you were asked that by a few of the dads. Does mm-hmm. does a mother need to be present? Do you think that's starting to wane? That yeah, it's disappearing of, now. Yeah. Because there's role models. Yeah. I, I, you can see there's the oldest kids born via surrogacy to dads would be 15 now. So you can see yeah. that it's fine. Yeah. And that parenting is not gendered. And you can nourish and nurture a child. Um, the only thing Ruben didn't have was breastfeeding. 
So he was a very chubby two-year-old. But, you know. Because the bottle feeding is really. And again. You know, chubby-ish. Breastfeeding. There's a lot of kids that, you know, there's a lot of parents that just cannot breastfeed. And I was brought up on carnation milk. My mum couldn't. Oh, wow. It's interesting, isn't it? it, um, I just think we've got something to offer, Mm. not something to be demeaned, which is really interesting flipping of of the conversation. Again, coming back to the time that you did this, rainbow families weren't even that present in, you know, there's, it's still really hard for us to even attend midsummer. You know, it's getting better. You know, there is a little shaded area now (laughs) in the last two years near the toilets where we can change things. But do you, I've, I know I've lost friends that don't see me as part of that party friendship kind of network because I can't do dinners and I can't go out clubbing. I can't do that yet. It's going to take a while. Do you feel there's still a lot of work even within our own community to recognise rainbow families and gay dads? Like yeah, I think said. there is, yeah. um, but I'm not worried about it. I just think it will naturally evolve itself because it is a human thing to be a parent. Um, previous generations didn't have the option. Mm. We're very lucky that you we, know, we had been we born really 10 are. years earlier. It doesn't happen, right? Even five years earlier. So, um, And it's not that it's superior. This is the thing, right? The LGBTIQA plus spaces are so diverse amongst themselves, both in gender, identity and sexuality. And then in family construction and age and ethnicity and religious belief and whatever, what, um, socioeconomic, whatever it is, there's so much diversity. We just have to um, embrace the fact that everyone's experience is equally valid and important. So whether you're a, a single gay man who parties and has, you know, Long, lots of partners and relationships and does that or you're someone who's monogamous who decides to have a child or ch- children they are both equally valid mm. experiences of being queer and I, I, we don't, don't think we're there yet mm. there seems to be this you know there's some tension at the edges with that stuff but that's okay well I feel educated, if nothing else, and I think we have very little to worry about. With the kids are all right, as we say, Gina, oh, all the time on this show, them don't multiple we? Multiple times, and then better than all right. Yeah, yeah they're, they're doing really well. They're, they're very fortunate. Really Our kids are very fortunate to have us as parents. Absolutely, I would doubly agree. Well, Jason, thank you very much for joining us and sharing a bit of your story. I think there's probably some prospective gay dads who'll be listening, who'll be probably contacting you for questions, but it's wonderful that you're here and you're talking about it and you're, you know, helping people as you go along. So thank Thank you very much. Family Matters, brought to you by Joy Sponsor, Nichols Family Lawyers. Family law advice for the LGBTI community you can trust. NicholsLaw.com.au Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.